Happy birthday to the Football League, 130 years young. I'd say congratulations, here's to many more. But I wouldn't say well done, because then I'd be Harry Kiel and then I'd be off. Welcome to the Totally Football League show. While in 1888 Bolton's Kenny Davenport scored the first Football League goal against Derby, in 2018 Harry Kuehl says he was getting sent off for saying well done. What an age to be alive. In honour of a big Football League birthday, with breath still in our lungs, we march on. First up, a wily old fox, he knows how to win, win penalties when fouled by the corner flag, a winner at all costs and doesn't care who he upsets. He is our very own Billy Bassett. Does he know who he is? Sam Parkin. Morning, guys. Billy Bassett? Not familiar. Featured for West Brom oh, okay. in 1888. I'm familiar with Dave Bassett. Good. Yeah. Knowledge. <laughs> Alongside Billy, one of the great players of the first season, you can read that as the first season in 1888, or the first season of the Totally Football League show, Knitting Sides Together, our John Goodall, or as we know him, Adrian Clark. <laughs> Thank you very much. No idea who John Goodall is. Goodall, also known as Johnny All Good, played for the Invincibles Preston. I'll take that. Yeah. You're only linked to Arsenal. It works, sort of. And finally, every team needs a hard man. He's not ours. He is our Johnny Horn, breaking a ribbing goal for Accrington on the opening game in 1888 against Everton. He went off, though. You would have carried on Joe Crilly from William Hill. I would, and, and I have in that exact same situation. You have not. In intramural uh, football at the University of Leicester. And, and how painful was it? This isn't Very. a setup, by the way. I did not know that. <laughs> it was incredibly painful. And, and why did you carry on? Because no one was as good as you, even with I a I think we had room. about seven players oh. at the time. Well, uh, you should have gone off then. The match would have been abandoned. We might have had eight. I don't know. No. I don't know. Okay, we was, certainly didn't have the full complement. It was so good up until that point. Uh, Mark Metcalf, historian, at the weekend was part of, if you saw the BBC's coverage, they reenacted and did a live text from 1888. So they went through who scored, who was sent off. Uh, some people, not too far from me... Didn't realise it was a live text from 1888. I was thinking, oh, I didn't know they were playing this weekend. And they weren't, because they weren't. Uh, Bolton stuff with Joe Crilly I've written down. At the time of recording, at around about seven minutes past 11 on Tuesday, Bolton are still going. There was talk that this morning they'd be in administration, but where are we? Yeah, late, late last night there was... Um some news coming out that, that Bolton were due in court today to sort out some financial irregularities, which first reared their head many, many months ago. But uh, there was a belief amongst Bolton Wanderers fans that that was all in the past and a great start to the season and seeing uh, the club pick up 11 points. At the end of last week, there was a tweet from Carl Henry who tweeted that he hadn't been paid his bonus for keeping the club up. Alarm bells started to ring, mm. suggested that all of the players who had been released at the end of the season hadn't received their bonuses for staying up. He's still saying that he hasn't been paid. And then last night, this came out. Basically, when the club was bought by Ken Anderson and Dean Holdsworth, who now is no longer in, on the board, they took out a, a deal or a financial deal, a loan, uh, for about five million quid uh, from a company called Blue Marble. They have continued to be in discussion with Ken Anderson about getting that loan paid back and last week an agreement was apparently struck although nobody told Blue Marble. It was uh, uh, an agreement from Ken Anderson to pay and to pay the interest incrementally which they didn't accept. Uh, now at the time of recording there seems to have been an agreement. That agreement needs to be pushed through by 12 o'clock or the club will go into administration so at the moment we don't know what the outcome will be. 
but we might know by the end of the podcast, such as I want to record about four hours. So we might have an update right at the end. Sam, how difficult is it for players when you're sat in that situation, not knowing what's going to happen? Very difficult. I think we've spoken a lot about the problems for the Charlton players and um, also the Blackpool players to keep churning out performances and the managers to do their jobs. But I think this is completely different, it's certainly in my experience, because it does have an impact on the pitch, really, with the points deduction. And um, in terms of my experience at Luton, you have to play a different way to try and get those points back. We were very attacking under Mick Harford, sometimes deploying three or four strikers because a point's no good to you. But also... Meetings after meetings with administrators, the PFA, uh, the constant concern as to whether you're going to get your money. And it's different for your experienced boys who've got your mortgages and responsibilities, younger players who aren't earning a lot of money. It can take a big toll. And I think also players leave, you know, because they can't afford to keep them. So the whole club can be disabled by administration, clearly. And that's the the relevance of of talking about it, even though we don't really know and will know by the time this goes out what's happened, Adrian. Is it the fact that this could happen again with Bolton? As Joe says, it keeps happening. Yeah, it's really disappointing, isn't it? Um, I think that from a player's perspective, you you will look elsewhere. You'll look out of the window and you'll think... Who can I join? Who 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 might want me? And that is that that's an issue for the manager. He has to persuade the players now, doesn't he? That mm. that that no, it's going to be okay. You will get paid. We we are going to achieve things here. But that's the biggest problem I think for Phil Parkinson moving forward is can he persuade the players to stay on board with him and with Bolton this season? Phil Parkinson's been a very good manager at Bolton Wanderers. He's worked under incredibly difficult circumstances. They paid money. Bolton Wanderers paid money for a player for the first time in th- uh, three years. In the summer, they brought in uh, Deutsch from Forest Green with a view to buying him in uh, in January. And one, one of my uh, one of my friends said uh, Christian Deutsch is set to be bought for a million pounds in January. That that's the interest right there. So Deutsch has come in. And he's immediately put the football club under uh, under immense pressure. How very selfish of him. <laughs> just just on what Adrian just said there, I remember Luton's initial administration, Kevin Blackwell, ringing all the players that afternoon, probably to reassure them about their short-term futures and about two weeks later Dave Edwards was sold um, to Wolves and uh, Dave I think lasted about four or five months at Luton was our best player never to be seen again at that level obviously brilliant Mm. player that he was but yeah it can have real knock-on effects to the playing side. Well you'll know more than us about Bolton by the time you, you hear this too but we will keep an eye on what happens to them over the next few weeks not about the championship though this week is it who are you because it's league one where we sort of start. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag #YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. We could go with a 3-2 posh win at Southend, the 3-2 Addicts win over the Chairboys, but Blackpool 3, Bradford 2 was, as 3-2s of the weekend go, the best 3-2, right? Peterborough still top, by the way, unbeaten. Fleetwood still unbeaten, away under Barton. And Barnsley still unbeaten. Five teams in League One yet to taste defeat. Two teams still looking for a win, Shrewsbury and Plymouth. Blackpool 3, Bradford City do. Do what? Two. <laughs> they do one, probably, is what they needed at the end of this one, Adrian. Well, yeah. I mean, for Blackpool, it was a, it was a result, a turnaround that, that got Terry McPhillips the job. So it was, it was an unbelievable 
afternoon for him. Uh, he, he's done brilliantly, hasn't he? I mean, a twelve-month four... rolling contract. How do we feel no, about rolling I, I, contracts? I think it's absolutely fine uh, if you're a manager. I mean, if, if you're taking a look at the longest-serving managers in the EFL, it's it's not long beyond twelve months, is it? So, so why were, why do owners give longer than than twelve months to persuade? managers they really really like to to stay and to promise them that long-term planning that they never actually get in reality but but for Terry McPhillips a guy that's primarily been an assistant a Mm. youth coach he's been knocking around the game for many many years it's his big shot isn't it it's it's his one chance at at, at making a name for himself as a number one he's clearly got the players on board four clean sheets okay this game they, they let in two goals but four clean sheets that's joint top in League One, so his organisational skills are great. And what about the spirit? I mean, what about the spirit in that particular game? They they looked dead and buried, and and they broke Bradford Hearts, and, and particularly David Hopkin, who who for him in his first managerial uh, first match in charge of Bradford, that's the that's the disaster, isn't it? Throwing away a two goal lead. So uh, well done, McPhillips. Well done, Blackpool. Two down, six minutes to go. Oh. I guess it's that. Pff, what have we got to lose? <laughs> I did like hearing that um, Curtis Tilt, who, who got the winning goal, actually took himself to centre forward without the uh, instruction from the manager. So I think that does show you that there's a, a togetherness. And what I mean by that is I think it would have been crazy for them to appoint someone outside the club at this juncture, considering yeah. that he's worked with Gary Bowie and knows the players. And like Adrian says, they've clearly shown in that performance at the weekend that they're the back in the manager. I liked Blackpool last year. I really didn't think they were far away. They played good football. They had Spearing and Jimmy Ryan last year who controlled the midfield. And uh, I think they've added a bit of legs with Thompson who plays alongside Spearing now. I think they're a bit short in centre-forward. And I think Curtis Tilt taking himself up there probably uh, emphasises that. So I think they might have to add in that department. But a, a great win against David Hopkins, Bradford, who were improved. I think definitely, certainly a bit more creative going forward. But for them, they just can't defend crosses and I think Blackpool obviously probably looked at that and really put them under pressure and obviously it was a mistake from the goalkeeper ultimately that cost them a point yeah they were a bag of nerves weren't they towards the end of the game and that's what happens when you're near the bottom of the league and have played unfortunately for teams near near the bottom of the league that leak a lot of goals even when you're winning you don't feel safe and I think that that rubbed off and the goalkeeper I think made two big mistakes he O'Donnell apparently had a great game but, but ultimately gave away a silly penalty and, and then he threw one in as well so um so yeah, not not good for them, but but for Blackpool onwards and up was Mark Bowler, the left back, a special mention for him as well, released by Arsenal and someone that's been there myself, released by Arsenal, he start back in League One. Um, good to see him have an outstanding game. He's man of the match in 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 most of the reports that I read. So um, so I wish him well in his recovery. And I say recovery, but because it is when you get released from a Premier League club and then you go down down the leagues. Your career starts effectively, yeah. uh, and 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 I don't mean that disrespectfully, but he he's looking to recover his career and to kick on, and I think he's doing okay. Yeah, every, every one of the the fan tweets that you read about that game are all talking about him as well. So he's clearly shown that to the fans at least that he's, he's one of our own. It can go to one of two ways: men's football, League One. It's not easy, let me tell you, and it is. It's like a different sport to academy stuff to under 23 stuff so you sink or swim I'm hoping that, that Mark Boller he looks well suited to to the Football League and, and yeah hopefully he can, he can kick on and, um, and do well for Blackpool That fragility that you speak about though maybe with the nerves at, at the end of that one is the confidence flip that Peterborough have got beating mm. Southend 3-2 
Yeah, well, I think it underlines their strength, Caroline, first and foremost, because um, I think they do the basics very, very well, mm. Peter. I don't think it's pretty at times, but I think the midfield players, if they're under pressure, will have no qualms about turning it into the channels. And what they've got at the moment is two centre-forwards full of confidence, full of running in Godden and uh, Cummins. And I don't think there was a lot between the two sides, apart from Godden's predatory instincts, I think, to give them a two-goal lead. But the strength underlined by Ivan Tony getting the winner. I think what they've got, the depth of the squad and uh, the physical power. He is a walking yellow card, that bloke, Tony. He's so aggressive, but I like it. I like wherever he's been on loan and uh, important for him to get up and running with a, a big goal. But I don't think they're going to be far away. I don't think they're going to be far away. And yeah, it's a, it's a great sign that they were pegged back. They looked to have a bit of a deficiency down the right-hand side. Both Southend's goals came from down there. Ben Koku, who's always a, a great supplier of, uh, of deliveries. He, he made the second one. But like I said, great resilience and great character to get the win. Ben Koku, where was he a star player at? Oh, yeah, Chelmsford City. <laughs> well done, everyone. First and only mention of And Chelmsford a diabetic? Yes, I believe. Just a thoroughly good egg. I think good someone player. not too far from you may have sponsored him for a season. That didn't cost a lot. Did, trust did you sponsor me. his ponytail? Yeah, no. He didn't have one when he was with us. Yeah. So that's all right. Uh, 13 of Posh's 17 goals have either been scored or assisted by Godden or Cummings this season. Do we want to talk about an incident involving Jason Cummings in his flat? I mean, if you haven't seen it, you can find it. It's not difficult to find. Darren McAntony says he's fine, been dealt with in-house, and yes, he's made a daft mistake, but let's calm down. He'll learn quickly from moments of stupidity. If you haven't seen it, it's his flat. It all gets a bit messy. Uh, stuff gets thrown, chucked, mucked up. It was a bit weird. It was bizarre. Um, interesting to see that Steve Evans, um, to, he put an arm around his shoulder and said, come with me, son. Come to the ice hockey. <laughs> they went to the ice hockey together. And, ice uh, hockey um, is a good way of relieving aggression. You've seen some of those ice hockey players? <laughs> I, have actually, I, I, I went to an ice hockey game a few years ago at, Not at Nottingham and thoroughly enjoyed it. See, we're all having a bit of a grin and there's, that's kind of how you feel Steve Evans has, has treated. I'm not saying he's all Darren McCanting, they're treating it lightly, but they have just tried to squash it by the arm but, round, but, by the quick message. But... <laughs> Part of the reason, I think Sam will probably agree with me here, is that Jason Cummings, he's not a bit part player. He's not a player that's out of form. He's not a player that's that's causing them pro a lot of problems. He's not a player they can dispense with. So when you've got a, a really important forward, you have to do what you've got. You have to do what, what you have to do, don't you, to keep them sweet? They'll have known 100% what they were getting. He's got previous for some eccentric behaviour. He's a bubbly character. They'd, they'd have known. Steve Evans will be well-versed in looking after people. That can be problematic off the pitch and come Friday, come Saturday, it'll get the best out of him. And I think that goes for the chairman as well, to, to be frank. They've, they've got character, haven't they? And as long as he's knocking them in, I think they'll persevere with him. Character. Step forward, Fleetwood. 1-1 <laughs> at Sunderland. Sunderland, a bit frustrating again for them this weekend. Well, you can't keep relying on the team to, to come back from deficits. You can't keep conceding the first goal. Um, I think you have to credit... Joey Barton, not only for Saturday, but I think they played one up top the first game of the season, their only defeat. And since he's gone to a two, I mean, Madden uh, and Chad Evans caused them all manner of problems at the weekend. And the wide player, I think Hunter on the left-hand side has been very good as well. Loved Madden's goal. I think Matthews was picking him up, but really good movement to anticipate that. It was actually going to land around the six-yard box. I think he was on the goalkeeper. He readjusted his position really well. So, yeah, really good point for Fleetwood. Two goalkeepers in the headlines, McLaughlin with making the penalty save, the first one, I think, in the league at the Stadium Night for 30 years or something, and the save from Cairns oh. 
at the other end is exceptional to to get Fleetwood a point in the end because I think as as well as Fleetwood are down and dominated mm. uh, a lot of the the game and had the best chances. Sunderland through the kitchen sink them towards the end so big save from the goalkeeper what, what makes it so special if, if those that haven't seen it oh he's, he, he, it's a point blank header yeah. it's headed down it's bouncing up right inside the corner and it's kind of a, a flailing left arm fingertips isn't it it's pure, right by the pure point pure instinct yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and I think he made himself a really big target when he was off balance himself Alex Cairns it will be one of the saves of the season 100% on Fleetwood Joe Barton we all, I think we all had various concerns about him You've got to say, and I always think the true test or one of the true tests of a team is how they fare away from home mm. because it's not easy. It, it, you can have a lot of fun at home and, and cut loose, but when you go away from home, you need to be together as a group and you actually need to be very well organised. Um, if you're not, you, you'll leak loads of goals. Fleetwood have let in one goal away from home. That's really, really impressive. Uh, eight points from four away games as well, averaging two a game. That's title form. So if you can average two points away from home throughout a campaign. So I think we should take Fleetwood seriously. I really do. You know, they have one of the strongest forward lines, I think, oh, in, yeah. the, <laughs> in the division. But with the penalty, Evans had the ball in his hand and it was taken off him and taken by Madden. What, mm. uh, what kind of situation is that like on the pitch if, if I've had one it. of you guys mm. have had had to take a penalty? I've had... Do you remember Rocky Baptiste? Yeah. Of Farnborough fame. He played with me at Margate in the National League. And um, yeah, I was a regular penalty taker. I was a captain. And he tried to steal it off me. And I, as captain, there's absolutely no way that I could I could back down. And I didn't want to either. <laughs> it went on for about four minutes. It was really embarrassing. I was completely red-faced about it. Um, but but and, and I did score luckily, but... Because that must throw you off oh, too. Oh, completely. All you're yeah. concentrating I, on is taking it. After the game, I, I, I practically throttled him. Um, so, you know, that that's... And he has a thick neck. Yeah, look, he, he, he probably could have had me. Let's be honest. <laughs> but but I, as, as skipper, you, you, you have to sort of show the rest of the team who's boss, effectively. And, and you can't you can't back down. And uh, and I didn't, but it was it was absolutely cringeworthy. You wouldn't be surprised to hear that I've passed the buck on a few occasions. <laughs> I have, honestly. Yeah, if having a bad game. I heard uh, Paul Merson talking about it the other day. Was it Paul Merson? Someone was talking about it. And um, yeah, it should be the player that's in form, the player that's feeling good. And at times, even though I was the designated penalty taker, certainly at Swindon, if I was having a bad time in front of goal and I thought... Do you know what my my technique or something might let me down? But that's here. you making that decision, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah. But how did that go down with the manager? And did did you get taken off of penalty duties because you no? You, you, no? My relationship was such with the manager at Swindon that you know it was down to my discretion. And and ultimately, if I wanted to be back on the next one, the players were probably you, you should have centre forwards taking the goals. They're taking the penalties really. But no, no you shouldn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not necessarily. You, you should have, you a, should have you, the calmest play. Yeah. This you, time next week, Joe, there must be some sort of stat relating to odds on who you let take it, whether you go with your striker, your captain, uh, yeah. or... I'll, I'll have a look into it. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Parkin's son of... Who was that manager, I wonder? Andy King. Andy King, son and, of. Uh, we can have a penalty competition, can't we, Producer Abby, at the end of the season? Yeah, I'd like to oh, let you all know yes. that I am one from one in big occasions, <laughs> but I don't like to talk about it. Uh, AFC Wimbledon winning at Gillingham. If you want a big performance away... Good result for them. Scunthorpe 3, Rochdale 3, Charlton 3, Wickham 2, Doncaster 2, Luton 
one. There are goals of plenty in all of those. Where do you want to go next? I think Rochdale are worth a mention. We haven't given them a lot of love so far on the on the pod this season. But but I looked at the at the home table, the away table, and going back to that point I made about about away form mm. being a really good sign because obviously you don't want to be losing games at home. You don't want to have issues at home because you know they, they should be your bankers. But I think this, if you can go on the road and, and pick up a lot of points, that's that your problems are not as bad as they seem at home. If, if, if you get my drift and, and Rochdale have got eight points away from home. So I think that they're probably in a, in a slightly false position. I would expect them to climb the table. Yeah, just just Charlton, Lee Bowie, obviously in, in temporary charge now. I think he's been clever this year because he, he's altered his systems quite a lot and I noticed he played a, a back three. I think that's, you know, looking at the opposition, how he can best counteract what they're doing and get the better of on Saturday. It was Gareth Ainsworth's side. So, I noticed that Wickham started particularly well, pressed them because they were trying to play out. But what they've got at the moment, Charlton, is two strikers, Lyle Taylor, who can really hold the ball up and and Grant, who's been a revelation since the start of the season. So a nice mixture in Charlton's game at the weekend and not at their best, but able to to get a victory over Wickham, who really reliant on Akinfema getting good quality into him. And when you can't do that, you know, Wickham obviously struggle. On Lyle Taylor, he I don't know if you've seen this story, he's dying his hair pink. And, yeah. and his boots as well. And he's got a Just Giving page, hasn't he? For uh, he's, he's raising money for uh, breast cancer awareness. So, yeah, good on him. I mean, dyeing your hair pink is uh, it's quite a sacrifice. There's, there's a, uh, I don't know why I looked at Sam then. Um, <laughs> we are going to get into the hair conversation a little later in relation good. to Swindon, because I know you have a fascinating clipping. Uh, uh, Sam's fascinating clipping of the week. Charlton 3, Wickham 2, though. Uh, there were a couple of points. There was a tweet that did the rounds after he got the job full-time, saying it's now just 42 days until he loses the job. Uh, but I think that there seems at least a club that needs an element of security. He's not on the Christmas sacking list yet, Joe, is he? Absolutely not, no. Good. Well done, him. And also the new merchandise. Have you seen Wickham's new merchandise? Ooh. You can now have anything printed on anything. In okay. relation to Wickham. So you can have Gareth Ainsworth's face on a, a jigsaw, should you wish, which I imagine is quite a tricky jigsaw, actually, given his, his long hair, mm. as to where you stick each bit. It's, it's, it's I mean, a, I'm coming with the, the important stats and facts. Uh, yeah, I don't I want to make Sam feel t- too self-conscious, but it's, it's a cracking mane, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. If you can get anything printed on anything, we should get a Gareth Ainsworth puzzle then. Shall we? And see how easy it is to do. Okay. Uh, (laughs) See if we can complete it. It's 400 pieces, apparently. Okay. So um, this time next week, we shall be doing a Jigsaw Live on air. Yeah, you can do that. (laughs) Look forward to that. Sunderland then, still odds on for promotion, Joe Crudy? Yes, they are indeed. Sunderland 4-9 to after that draw. Barnsley four to five, uh, and interestingly, Fleetwood coming in to six to one for promotion. No, there's mm. a knowing look. Can I ask where Walsall are in the in the in the rankings? Because they've taken me really by surprise. They've had yeah, they've had a great start under uh, Dean Keats, and uh, they are eleven to one. It'll be interesting to see if they can sustain it. I think they can. I think they're playing really, really well. They went to Barnsley and they they more than held their own. They've only kept one clean sheet as well, Walsall. So you, you're beginning to think if they can nail that aspect of it, mm. they can. Turn and some of the draws into wins. Yeah, Dean Keats is doing an amazing job. You are right to go to, to Barnsley and to get a 1-1 is, is no mm. mean feat. Jamie Jones writes at The Totally Show, will the posh be considered serious title contenders if they beat Pompey this weekend in the top of the table clash? Peterborough United up against Portsmouth. One of the games we'll look ahead to in the final part of the show. But it's on to League Two we roll. Listeners, here's another podcast you want to check out from us here at Muddy Knees Media. The Bradley Wiggins Show is back with you throughout the 2018 Love Welter. 
Join Brad and a host of guests as they discuss the final Grand Tour of the season and all the latest news from the world of cycling. They were chancing it anyway with a finish that narrow, but obviously you add in the post-finish kind of triangle that's set aside for the photographers. Add in the media, director of the media, who's in charge of the finish line, running in that corridor at precisely the same time as the riders came through. You know, it caused what it did, and obviously he came off worst, plus Dylan, who had to leave the race. But um, I think that's that's not the first time it's happened in, in any bike race. That's the Bradley Wiggins Show from Eurosport, available every Monday on Audio Boom, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. We can talk about Cheltenham appointing a new manager, and in fact, we will. They're under 23 head coach Michael Duff, just not now. League two, then there are bad starts, and then there's Harry Kuehl sent off as his new team lost 5 1 against Exeter. Knotts County stay rock bottom of the table. Macclesfield still searching for a first win. But several messages on this point. Drew Potter writes, please can you discuss the Southwest's current domination of League Two with Forest Green, Exeter City, Newport County, Swindon Town and Yeovil Town all doing so well. Is it the hottest part of England for League Two action this season and who will come out on top in May? Joe Crilly, I'm not going to make you answer that right now because we're going to talk Exeter. Because Joe Shue also writes, would love to hear a bit more of an inquisition into Tisdale as the only messiah of Exeter City. I loved him, but always felt the trust ownership was our biggest strength, not necessarily him and Perryman. Matt Taylor's doing great work. Well, Sarah Willis is co-founder and editor of Exeter City Fanzine, Some Sunny Day. Hiya, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for coming on. I don't think you knew you were going to be part of the Inquisition, which uh, Joe Shue <laughs> asks for. But is he right? Is, is it all down to, to you lot, the work of the fans, the trust? Uh, I think trust trust ownership at Exeter City has been really important uh, in the last 15 years. It's provided a, a continuity that has allowed Tisdale to, to do the job that he's done in the 12 years that he was here. So I think certainly Tisdale deserves a lot of credit. Uh, but the trust is important as well. See, actually, the right answer was that it's all down to Sam Parkin. <laughs> don't, don't give her any ammunition to obliterate me. <laughs> Feel free to obliterate him if you want, Sarah. What, what is about Matt Taylor? Because I heard talk at the weekend there was a, a change of formation, that he's, he's just got the, the players playing like they love each other. Well, we've, we've had a little bit of inconsistency because um, Exeter looked like world beaters on Saturday. They played played brilliantly against Notts County and the result was great. The Saturday before that, mm. we got a bit of a drubbing at the hands of Lincoln and we didn't, we didn't look so great then. But they did pick themselves back up and I think Matt Taylor has done that really well. He said they weren't going to be too down after that result and, and they certainly came back and I think he's got the players playing for him. He's been very refreshing after Tisdale, who could be a little bit cryptic, but Matt Taylor is is very honest and straightforward and he's he's got a great work ethic going on there. Sarah, you've obviously lost a lot of brilliant young players in the last few years, Grimes, Watkins, Wheeler, the, the, the chaps I played with, but I was delighted to see that Christy Pym and Jordan Tilson are still uh, in and around the first team. Which of the young guys are really impressing at the moment? Yeah, they are. We've still got a lot of talent there. Um, everyone was very sad to see Jordan Moore-Taylor go to MK Dons uh, after, after our defeat at Wembley, and that was a big loss to us, but... There are certainly up-and-coming young players at the moment, and we've we've got a lot of um, players coming through the academy as well. Uh, players like um, Alex Hartridge, who we sponsor at the fanzine, but also Archie Collins and and various other players, and people like Christy Tip Him, who are doing really well in the first team. So I think there's a lot of 
strength and depth in the youth that's that's coming through at the moment. So it's still exciting times. Absolutely, Sarah. Jaden Stockley's obviously taken a lot of the headlines this year, but for me, in central midfield, you've got you've got some really, really good players. I know that Jordan Tilson came back into the side at the weekend, and and it allowed Hiram Boateng to just play a bit further forward. You had you know, you've got um, Nicky Law in there, Holmes, a lot of quality in central midfield. Do you think that's that's a key strength for the team? I think so. The, the midfield looked ten times better uh, against not. County, obviously they're not doing particularly well at the moment and they're they're a disjointed side, but the, our midfield looked a lot better and that's going to allow uh, players like Jaden Stockley to, to score goals. So that's a, definitely a positive thing for us. Can I throw a curveball in, Sarah, which the boys are, regularly roll their eyes at me, so I apologise that I'm doing it to you. You know this, playing <laughs> three o'clock matches on a, on a Saturday, the EFL at the weekend, you could watch on iFollow if selected yeah. matches there are some clubs that still haven't kind of been sold by iFollow what do you make of that as, as someone that's very much involved in sort of the ownership of a of a club is is that a, a dark road to go down I don't want to put words into your mouth it's it's come as a shock to everyone because there's obviously something that's just happened and it's come in under the radar a little bit so I think there are going to be discussions about it um, at clubs and trusts and with owners up and down the country definitely something that is of concern because of of how it's been done as far as I can tell and I was just reading the Andy Holt statement on the Accrington website and he basically said that it it wasn't discussed at the EFL conference in the summer Mm. Um, so if clubs don't know about it then then that is a concern there are issues you know certainly from fans point of views about the sanctity of of 3pm games on a Saturday that said, you can you can stream them from abroad, and certainly I can see that streaming is is the way things are going. And obviously, the higher up the ladder you go, the more likely that could be to be in your interest for bigger clubs. But certainly at this level, it is a concern that it may have effect on attendances. And I think it's something they need to take their time to get right, rather than just trying to sneak it in because of the international weekend. It's something that needs a lot more discussion before before it is brought in. Yeah, it was a, a loophole for international weekend. Of course, we've got another one coming up in October. The AFL said they're going to consult with clubs after what's happened this weekend too. Exeter then third in the table. Sarah, where are you going to end up? Well, if we could stay there, that would be fantastic. I think expectations are slightly slightly more tempered this season because we've had so many changes in the summer and I think people are very willing to give give Matt Taylor time he's obviously a rookie manager and he needs some time to settle in and get his team right but we're looking good and I think we we're aiming to do as, as well as we can in league two and if we are promoted or in the playoffs then that would be fantastic brilliant to talk to you thanks for coming on Sarah thank you very much on Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere. This is the Totally Football League show from Muddy Knees Media. Sarah Willis, co-founder and editor of Exeter City fanzine, Some Sunny Day. Were you ever on the front of that, Sam Parkin? Yeah, that is very much. Can I say well done to Notts County, really the only club truly celebrating 130 years of EFL this weekend, or at least of the, the Football League. This is the first time Notts County have conceded 20 goals after seven league games since... The inaugural Football League campaign in 1888. Harry Kuehl, it can't rest on his shoulders, can it, this weekend? 
apparently says well done to the referee. He said other mm. things. If you read the full quote, he said, I just said well done to the referee. You can see one's in the far corner, but not one's right in front of you. We have a cross and it's one of those. Does it hit his hand or does it not? The referee says no, we're complaining. Then they go up the other end and score a goal. That's when I got my marching orders. Sent off. They'd done really well. That sounds condescending. But Notts County had given the 51st fans through the yeah. gate. Do you see this? It got, they yeah. all got a match-worn nice shirt. Idea. Nice idea. Uh, many saying they'd love to return it and just want the fee for getting there in the first place back. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't have gone any worse, really. Uh, I'm not sure I bought into him talking about the injuries, etc. after the game because the majority of these players he's talking about have probably played a few games this season. They haven't got any positive results, really. So... It's desperate times, really is there. And it seems to be what people do now. They've probably been under Kevin Nolan quite direct. And now they've brought in a manager who's going to want to play a bit more football. It seems to be what the hierarchy do. When there's a sacking, you go to the uh, the opposite brand of, uh, of playing. So they're going to have a lot of hours on the training ground. It's going to be very regimented. He's going to have to be very meticulous in his planning over the next few weeks because the manner of the goals and the way that I think they down tools towards the end of that game and just wanted to get out of there was pretty alarming to me. Have to credit Exeter because I think he changed as well, Taylor, to a 4-5-1. And as Adrian rightly said, the, the concern there is you're going to get Stockley isolated. Botang and Law were, were excellent. And uh, Jordan Tilson, I know, has got some credit for that performance, being the, the one who's anchored. And, and Jordan is probably the nicest boy I've ever met in football, which from a footballing family, his dad, Andy Tilson, QPR player. Jordan, he was at the, um, I think he was at the Nike Academy for a year, came in kind of through the back door. Nicest boy ever. Why? And, oh, he, well, he's just... He's just so well-spoken, just respects the, the, the senior professionals, wants to learn, trains every day like he plays. And I know that because he used to irritate the life out of me. I said, it's Tuesday morning, Jordan. It's Tuesday. I've just been in the car for two and a half hours. Yeah, Sam's training, mate. Go through me every time. Elbows, you know, kick me. But centre-half by trade, playing in central midfield and doing a really good job by all accounts. So... Couldn't uh, wish it for a nicer fella. I thought the punchline was going to be, he was nice till he ended my career. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I guess, do you want to do a sacking by Christmas stats? That's too early, isn't it? He's yeah, got we'll, till we'll after give, Christmas. We'll give, we'll give it a couple of games. Yeah. We'll, we'll give him that then. Uh, although he would have had a look at Crawley with a surprise, is it fair to say surprise result of the weekend, winning 1-0 at Lincoln? Yeah, absolutely it was. I mean, with with two player managers involved, uh, no one really, really saw that one coming. I guess it was the, they, they could say it was the new manager effect because he was there, he was on a watching brief. I'm, I'm sure that he'll want that put down as his first game in charge, won't he? Uh, Gabriel uh, Chofi, um, some way to get off, to get off and running. Um, yeah, six foot six inches, by the way. Uh, he's, he's a big former defender, the new gaffer. Yeah, crack, cracking results. Slightly strange appointment. I don't know what Sam thinks about this. You look look at his CV, it's a lot of assistant coach jobs, a lot of youth coach jobs dotted around different countries. He's had one top job before. He's been the main gaffer once before in Italian football's fourth tier. How long did it last? Till November. He was he was appointed in July. He was sacked by November, so it's what Crawley do, though, isn't it? A bit of an unusual appointment. Yeah, I think they've got a track record for for doing that, haven't they? Quite obscure uh, appointments, and um, what a way to start. And yeah, credit those two lads because hearing Philippe Moraes and, and Jimmy Smith speaking, I think they were quite reluctant because they're yeah. quite, quite young lads, you know. I think they're both only in their early thirties, so to take that on 
would have been a big task for him, and he's done his cruciate as well, Smith. So he was in the the technical area, barking instructions. And have but you they, ever been offered that, either of you? No, no. definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> they they, um, they play good football, though. You know, Crawley, and I know we've been speaking about Lincoln mixing it up a little bit, but I think. In particular, the the two fullbacks of Crawley did really well against Andrade and and Anderson have been fantastic for Lincoln and, and Akindi. It was after the Lord Mayor's show for him because we were talking him up last week, thinking he's going to be the vital clog in 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 their armory really, and he was really poor at the weekend. So I think some Lincoln fans may be hoping to see Matt Reed back in the starting lineup. But amazing result for for Crawley. Yeah, it shows the importance of the first goal as well. Like they got their nose in front and they just yeah. clung onto it. And and yeah, I like Crawley. I think I think they're an upwardly mobile club and and yeah, they're taking a chance here with this guy. I wish him well. He's his only experience in English football was as part of Zola's backroom staff at Birmingham. That didn't go too great, did it? But let, let's hope let's hope he can deliver. He, he said some good things. He's he's trying to unify the the club and get the local press on board. And and he says that that Fleetwood Town are his role, uh, a sort of the model that he wants Crawley to to follow. He's been to Fleetwood. He's looked at the facilities and the way they've got themselves into a really strong position. And that's where he wants to take Crawley. Certainly an impressive ground at, at Highbury. The difference, though, if you look now, Crawley said up, upwardly mobile. There's a block of, of teams on 10 points. They're in 15th. But for Notts County, just the one to their name. Macclesfield, just the two to their name. And then it creeps up three, five, six, seven, seven, seven. You've got to look at those teams just starting to put a bit of a gap in. I know it's early, but someone somewhere has got to turn things around at the bottom. Otherwise, as you say, the pressure maybe be a bit of a stinker. The other side of it, though, when you've got Lincoln on 16 and Newport on 16, all hail the Newport, thank goodness, after we started praising them, still doing well. 1-0 winners at Oldham. Mike Flynn has now won 28 of 65 league games as manager. I think that sounds impressive. But what makes that more impressive is that Newport had won 28 of their previous 113. Yeah, Maybe he's not championship winning form. He is of late. But what he's taken that club from and now where they're, they're going, such improvement. They've had eight different goal scorers and there are a lot of teams in League Two that haven't scored eight goals yet. So so they're spreading things around the side, Newport. So um so yeah, look, lot lots to get excited about, I guess, down there. Weren't we at the start of the season saying, Joe, that Newport were fifty to one or something ridiculous and now their odds must be cut. Yeah. Their price is still quite long, uh, to, to get promoted when you look at their position in the table. They're still four to one uh, to get promotion. Um, and that puts them at eighth uh, in the, the betting. But they were amongst the favourites for relegation. They were amongst the longer price teams, amongst the likes of your your Morecambe's at the bottom of the, the betting to win. But when you look at promotion. where Notts County were and now see where Newport yeah. are, uh, oh, how the roles are reversed. Yeah. At the Totally Football Show for your comments on social media, Gingerbread Dead... Please just put your names. Just put your names. Uh, although I do love you, really. After seeing Phil Brown writes this weekend, have any of the panel had to be amusingly diplomatic around a manager's new hairstyle? Now, he had frosted tips, uh, didn't he? If you look at the, the, the TV, his hair's a bit bouffant. And, and why are we laughing at frosted tips? No, I'm not. I'm just some found it look, rather amusing. I, I am somebody that shamefully went down that route. A number of years ago, and uh, <laughs> so when I look back at the photos, it's 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 not great. Look, Phil Brown. It's easy to take the Mickey out of him, 
But why shouldn't managers care about what they look like? One nil win for Swindon at Morecambe. Why shouldn't they care? What, he, yes, he's, is he vain? Yes, <laughs> yes. He definitely, definitely likes the look of himself, just, just Phil Brown. But um, but what's wrong with that? Yeah, it was. Uh, he looks slightly dishevelled as well. It, he's got like these grey bits down the side, and then he had sort of blonde tints, didn't he, on top? So it was an interesting haircut. But but I quite like Phil Brown, even though Southend fans sort of. They weren't too unhappy when he left the club. I, I, I liked him. He, I think he's a decent manager. Shall I talk about the football? Yeah. <laughs> I've been bald for 20 years. but So I think I can pass comment on this. I think he shouldn't be having tints in his hair. No. That's a straight red for Phil Brown. And they got another red Why? on the pitch. Why? Uh, Why? Oh. oh, he's too old to be tinting his hair. Come on. Anyway, they got a, they got a red card on the pitch. Uh, Noyle, Carl Noyle, went really youthful uh, defensively. And it was the old... 11 v 10, Morecambe just really struggled to break them down. And uh, I understand that they actually really trying to play Morecambe. And, uh, Even I think, changed their kit at half-time. And yeah, I mean, it. I noticed that straight away on the highlights. I'm thinking, how on earth was the referee allowed that game to start? Ridiculous. It was like identical. It was embarrassing. So, yeah, they changed at half-time. But I think they really struggled. And Swindon obviously countered a little bit uh, pretty well when they were down to 10 men. So... Um, what I have noticed about Swindon, they've got a resilience that I think has been lacking in the past defensively. Um, they can soak up pressure and they've had to do it on a couple of occasions because they've had people with ill discipline. So countered well uh, down to 10 and um, I think a really resilient performance to get them three points. Yeah, on the, on the flip side, on, on Morecambe, I always, you know I love a stat. And I was sort of looking for, for little patterns and, and to see how teams respond to situations. Um, we've seen with Sunderland, they, they've got, when they go behind, they bounce back, don't mm. they? That's, that's a definite positive. Morecambe have conceded the first going six of the seven games. And the goal record afterwards, or the goal record in those games is scored two, conceded 15. So they are collapsing. Like a pack of cards. It didn't happen in this game, but in general they are. The other teams to maybe worry about in terms of when they go behind. Uh, Yeovil, it's only happened once, haven't scored when they've gone behind. Stevenage, Exeter and Grimsby haven't scored after they've gone 1-0 down, down, which is a concern. Norhof Crew, Alexandra, their record is scored none conceded eight on the back of, of being 1-0 down. So so you look, look at little patterns and you think, OK, crew, brilliant at home, away from home. They are, they're weak and, and that's a big issue. Talking of patterns, uh, who was it who wrote earlier? Drew Potter, who asked about the South West current domination of League Two. Who will come out on top in May, Joe Crilly? Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Some of the teams that are there that we perhaps weren't expecting including Newport. Uh, Exeter and Swindon are both 3-1. to one. Newport 4-1. to one. Forest Green and Yeovil both 8-1. to one. I've worked out that it's around about 500-1 to one for four of those five teams to get the four promotion spots. Uh, I'm saying go with that every day of the week, right? <laughs> <laughs> and poor Plymouth uh, in, in the league above are looking at that, aren't they? I think... Yeah, it's, it's worth going down. Yeah, yeah quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're thinking that. Um, interestingly, on that point, me having saying take the tip at 500 to 1, Rick says, can you and Sam go back to predicting Football League results on your podcast? Helps me blame someone when I lose <laughs> at the weekend. So let's have a quick look ahead to this weekend then, shall we? I want to start with Peterborough United against Portsmouth and Jamie's question about if Peterborough 
beat Portsmouth this weekend in the top of the table clash, is that it? Do we then look at them as serious title contenders? Or are we already, Adrian? Well, they definitely are, are title contenders because when you've got a team with that much firepower, you're... Unless they all get injured, I, I I can't see it. There might be one or two periods in the season where they, where one or two of them are off form at the same time. But when you've got three guys, maybe four that that are that are goal threats, you can afford to have one that that's out of form or, or injured, and the other guys will just carry it through. I think defensively, you know, can they hold firm? Because they don't have a lot of the ball, do they, Peter? Right. But they're quite happy to to soak it up. But I just think they're so good on the counter, and they've got so much pace going forward and, and clinical finishes that yeah I think I think they're definitely going to be there there or thereabouts. Strider 444 that's league 1 then but back to the championship says do you think a possession based continental style of football can work in the championship uh, re Norwich at the moment Farker trying to impose one with mixed results Norwich Middlesbrough this weekend we've said that perhaps there's a sword or something hanging over Daniel Farker at Norwich if they lose to Middlesbrough at home this weekend Oh, I wouldn't sack him. I, I, look, I'm not watching Norwich 90 minutes every week. Um, in answer to the question, Swansea, they yeah. did it. There have been some good footballing teams that have come up to the Premier League in recent years. So I don't think that's the issue. What you've got to be to to make it into the you know the, the promised land, so to speak, you've got to be good at both ends of the pitch, and you've got to have have a have a goal scorer and that might be an issue you've got Jordan Rhodes who's who's done it but is he is he slightly past it possibly oh no Hernandez is more of a wide player so so yeah I, I think not, there's nothing wrong with the style I wouldn't suggest of Norwich I think they've just got to be slightly better at both ends of the pitch anyone else want to pick out any other in the next minute fixture for this weekend to look at good uh, Millwall Leeds now there's a test for Leeds oh. heading to Millwall this weekend I think I pick out Millwall every week, though, so I was just having a little bit of a more detailed uh, glaze over the fixtures. But yeah, this is right. Yeah, no, uh, of course. I mean, Millwall are, are suffering a little bit at the moment. Um, they've had some bad results, and you know that's always going to be a big game, irrelevant of what level or what cup competition it's in. And um, Neil Harris get a result this weekend, and that kind of shifts but, it down there, doesn't oh, it? Oh, a hundred percent, because that's a big one for the Millwall supporters. But Leeds had. A robustness to last season you know they were could be quite physical over physical at times so you would think with their support as well going there that they'll be able to stand up to that test but as ever at the den it's about starting the game well and if Millwall don't get the goals that maybe their uh, territory uh, deserves then the other team normally get a spell so it's about staying in the game there but Leeds have got everything at the moment, haven't they, to suggest that they're going to be stayers? I think they'll be. I think they'll do well in that game, Leeds. And um, the one that stands out for me actually is 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 the battle of the two teams that have had time to stew. Ewood Park, Blackburn Rovers against Aston Villa. Blackburn battered by Bristol City, who who are doing brilliantly, I have to say, considering they've had to revamp their squad. And Villa, who who were slaughtered, weren't they, by Sheffield United? So so they've had they've had ages, haven't they? And I would imagine that the, the respective training grounds have been quite quite serious places to be during this international break. That will be uh, an interesting match. Who will respond best? And if Bolton wanted a lift this weekend, they're at home to QPR, Joe. Yeah, brilliant. But I was actually uh, looking at, uh, is it too early to talk about relegation six-pointers Hull versus Ipswich? <sighs> Should we leave it there like EastEnders? <laughs> <laughs> is it? Absolutely not, no. Oh. Both teams... I'm going to say yes, it is, because we've run out of time. Uh, so yes, it is too early to talk about that. But if you had to, who's the, the nervier of the two? 
Ipswich, absolutely. Thank you. Well answered. Short and concise. You could all learn from that, as clearly could I. Thank you, Sam. Cheers, Thank Caroline. you, Joe. Thank you, Adrian. Joe's got his hand up. Quick update on Bolton Wanderers. Funds are being processed and it looks like administration has been avoided. See, I told you there was a reason we recorded four hours of the show, just so we could get the Bolton update in. He has been Joe Critty, Sam Parkin of the Frosted Tips and Adrian Clark too, at the Totally Show for your thoughts. Thank you to everyone that writes to us. We do read them all and hopefully we'll read them out. But if you do want to get your club on the show, come on Skype, come on the phone. We'd love to hear from you at the Totally Show. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our brand new podcast for this season, the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.